Let's read together from Ephesians chapter 2. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built into the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being filled together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I want to ask you a question. If you're a follower of Christ and you've grown, how did it happen? And by grown, I mean just to give a few markers. Is that perhaps you're living with a fourth dimension now. You experience God, sees, work His hand in things that happen in your life and in other people. And perhaps you've grown in compassion. You're in touch with the deep pain and the groanings of the earth. Your life has changed in a way that you, uh, your value shifted. Uh, new things are important to you that wasn't important to you. And you've just got a sense of, a better, bigger sense of wholeness in your life. You've grown. If you're not a follower of Christ, um, it, this question might also be an important question to you. How does it happen? I want to take a very educated guess. Two things happened. Somebody spoke to you and told you something about Christ. In a way perhaps that you've never heard it before. And then you saw people that were actually trying to live it. And you were drawn to it and you became part of it. So so there's always these two things. There was communication and community. Um, there was um, a, a, a micro experience with one other person. There was a meso experience with a lot of other people. You heard and you saw things happen to you. That's what Paul is referring to in this one sentence that we are looking at today. He, he uses a picture of this life with God and of who we are and of who God is and how God works. And he says, um, we're a temple actually, all of us. And there's a foundation to this temple. And the foundation is the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. For us today, that is the Bible. That's the Bible. And then we are living stones in this wall of the temple. We are members of a family. And there's the two very big aspects. The communication and the community. And they are both very important for our growth and for our life with God. Uh, I can tell you countless stories. Just two. I had a friend. He was a medical doctor. And he was agnostic. And he had uh, what I would call a profound mystical experience. And 
his, uh, I mean, his whole mind changed. We would say he had a conversion. He thought about life and God totally different after that experience. And he started reading his Bible. And we met frequently at that time. And it, it wasn't long before he said he's got big problems with the church. And he's actually against organized religion and re- religion per se. It's a big no-no. And it's actually evil. What he stands for is spirituality. He says, I love Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want nothing to do with the church. And then he had ideas about what the Bible say and how the church misses it. Um, I, I tried in our conversation to make him attend of the fact that the things that he's thinking about was the things that the first church thought about and that the same people that actually decided what the Bible is going to be is the guys that also put together a faith confession and, and, and the church adheres to that confession up to today and that he needs the church. He didn't felt that way. And today um, he interprets the experience that he had quite differently, doesn't uh, put any value to it anymore, and his faith is dwindling. He needs the community of the saints. On the other side, I've been part of renewal experiences, uh, or two times it was even called um, uh, revival happening, and usually it happens amongst the youth. And uh, what happens during those times is that the, the, the connection between people is of such, is to such an extent, there's such honesty and equality and power to that connection that you're just drawn to it and drawn into it. And it's a communal experience. But what usually happens is that the leader or leaders perhaps um, ascribe too much value to themselves and think that it's got a lot to do with them and what they say and how they say it and that they've got a, a greater measure of control over what's happening that they really have. And those renewals shipwreck after a while. And there's a lot of disillusioned people with a lot of hurt. And I sometimes think we inoculate people that way um, through those experiences. Because a lot of those people that went through experiences like that said, I'm, I'm very hesitant to get involved or to give myself to the church again, this communal experience, although it was fantastic while I was in it. Ian Pitt Watson says, With just the word, you will dry up. But with just the spirit, and I want to add community, you will blow up. But with the spirit and the word, community, you will grow up. We need both of these experiences. For today, the main emphasis of the sentence that we're looking at today is on community and this communal experience. And uh, uh, Paul mentions three things, what happened to us, what can happen to us, and what causes it to happen to us. So let's look at it. What happened to us now? Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, 
but you are citizens, you are members, you're a holy temple. Something happened to us. We are no longer foreigners. Have you ever been a foreigner? Um, have you ever felt, this is not my place, this is not my people, you know, and I, they don't, there's no connection. Now, now, Paul describes this experience just before the word now, and here's a few of the words that he used. He says, you are far. Uh, you were far from God. You were far from connection with other believers. In other words, there were no contact. There were no influence. You were without God. You were isolated. No hope. You know, if you know, if you have no hope, you have nothing to look for. There's nothing that, that, that gives you excitement about the future. You might even have fear. It's going to be very bad in the future for me. And then the big word, you were actually enemies. You were in a collision course. You opposed God, even though you didn't know it. But now, things are different. You are no longer foreigners. Um, uh, I might use an orbiting metaphor. In our solar system, the planets revolve around the sun. Well, at some or other time, our planets came into, under the influence. They weren't all that far from the sun, and the sun drawn them in, and they made an agreement, some or other, that this is the orbiting track that I will take. Now, they differ from each other, and their tracks are not the same, but they've got this harmony together, and they are working together because they all revolve around the sun. And they're not on a collision course. We can have hope. We don't go to bed that evening and say, oh, I just hope um, Venus keeps his track. Because um, we might have problems. Or the earth. Tomorrow morning we might hit the sun. And then, no. There's, there's harmony. And the sun, the sun revolves around truth, love, beauty. And the planets can't say, yes, so you know, this thing about truth. Um, I take it to some extent. It might help me a bit, but I'm not totally, no, 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 no. You accept it completely. This is the order of how things should be and how things work. This is something big that happened to us. We are now like the planets orbiting around the sun. And then he describes the nature of this connection. And he's got three, in my mind, concentric circles that he uses. First of all, citizens. If you're a citizen of a country, you're part of a nation, you, you share the same ground to live on, uh, same laws, pay taxes, if you like it or not. But you don't really know people. So this is more of a macro experience of a connection that you have with other people. It's a very important one as Christians. Um, we are now citizens of the kingdom of God, of the new nation of God, of the saints. And Paul prays that we would comprehend with all the saints the different dimensions of God and of God's love. 
Oh, no, it's, what it's actually saying is that you won't be able to do it by yourself. So all Christians should have an ecumenical attitude, posture, openness to the church of God. That's far beyond your domination or your church. And the church of the East must influence you. What do we all have in common? What do we all share? It's important. The church of Africa, the church of the Europe, in Europe, um, it's, uh, we are different, but we are all the same in a sense. We are all part of, the, of, of God's nation. And then we are members of a family. Now, that's a meso experience. It's, it's much closer. Uh, you know the people that you live with, and that's in your family. And you spend time. And there's a lot of dynamics happening in families. Uh, but, but one of the big ones is that immature phase that a lot of people go through. Huh? Uh, that phase where, they, where they, uh, the young adults say, oh, I don't like this family. This family is so you know, and um, we've got to take our own wine. We don't drink that wine that they are drinking. And of course, we can't stay for long because we are very busy. We're just going to leave as soon as we finish with our lunch, you know. Um, but there's, also, there's always a patriarch or a matriarch that, that keeps the family together, that organizes it, that phones everybody and tells everybody what's happening in the family, who's sick, who lost a job, and can't we all put and give something to help them for a, in the difficult period that they're going through. And Paul says, you know, um, no prolonged infancies amongst you, please. And to, uh, to the Corinthians, he said, by this time, you should have been grown-ups, but you're still acting like children. Take responsibility, become part, keeping this family alive and well. And then there's the temple. This is the micro level. This is a very, very personal and a one-on-one dynamic and change. So what he says is that you are the temple and we are the temple of God. He lives within us. Says Lewis says, there's no ordinary man or woman. So you can look in the eyes of the person next to you for a while and just realize and see this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in this person. In Sanskrit, they've got a way of greeting each other. Namaste, which means I acknowledge the image and the presence of God in you. Now, this is the truth. And extraordinary things can happen to us. Now, Peter says you can also, as living stones, being built up. There's something that can happen to you if you become aware of it and just let it happen. You You are a living stone. In other words, we are in touch with each other, first of all. And another thing is we are dependent on one another. One brick doesn't have any function. It's only if we stand together and and touch each other that we have a purpose and we can achieve something. And here's the big thing. 
we, without doing something, just by being present and accepting this fact, become the presence of God. And God lives in us and begins to speak in us. So what Paul is saying is, do you give primacy to this connection and relationship? You know, Jesus said, a very difficult things to us. Like for instance, if you don't hate your mother and your father, you can't be my disciple. And, and it, it, it refers to this, if, if you give prominence to any other relationship than a relationship to me and to my body, this is the most, you know, the disciples came to Jesus and said, your mom and your brothers are looking for you. And Jesus' reaction is, um, who is my mom and my family? It's not my blood mother and, and brothers. It's those who hear my word and do it. And he wasn't putting his mother down. Um, she believed in him, accepted his words and did what he said. But he was, he was just referring to this important thing in life that we've got to realize how much we need each other and dependent we are and what can happen to us if we just let it happen to us. C.S. Lewis tells this story about Jack, Ronald, and Charles, and of course he's Jack. Charles died, and Jack thought, now I would have more of Ronald. And he said, but what he discovered was that he has less of Ronald and Ronald is less of him even though they spend more time together with each other now. Because Charles brought something out of Jack that Ronald can't bring out of him. Helps him to get in touch with things inside of himself that Ronald can't help. And the same is the true with Ronald. Jack can't bring out things that Charles used to bring out in Ronald. And I don't know if you've ever become aware of it in your close relationships, how every person not only makes you feel different, but brings out something different in you. That's why we can't be ourselves by ourselves. We can only become ourselves through other people. We can only individuate in relationships and come to know us and discover things that we don't even know that's within ourselves. That's why it's so important. So what causes this to happen? Um, you are also living stones that are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now the metaphors are mixed. We're a temple. But now we are also the priests and the priestesses in this temple. And we've got to bring offers. That's what makes it happen. That, this is what causes you to experience. And for Paul it's very important. You know, he gives a lot of knowledge, dogma, theology, things that you've got to understand. But then he says, now, for this reason... I bend my knees and I pray so that you can know it. And, and then he says, with a knowledge that surpasses knowledge, 
and knowing. So the, the Greek word for know, uh, ginosko, is actually to know through experience for yourself. That's what, so th- this is not just things to believe. It is things to experience, this community. And it says it's, it's like priests, first of all, you live in the temple. And you live in the presence of God. And, and you know, the ideas is mind-blowing that, that Paul gives. He, say, he actually says that, that, that we have direct access to God. Something that only the high priest had once a year. And when the high priest came out of the holiest of all, all the priests would be there and they would ask him, what's God like? Tell us. And he taught the priest so that the priest could taught all the people what God is saying and what God is like. And the prophets prophesied and they said, Hebrews 8.12 for instance, that there will come a time that nobody would tell somebody else and say, this is what God is like. Because we will all know him. We can go to that place. And I thank God for the people that I've met that gave me a deep conviction that there is such a place that we can go to. I thank God for the people that taught me, that are with me, that took me to places with them. Um, There is this experience and this very intimate relationship with God that you can have. And it's at that place place where you offer up praise and thanks Hebrews thirteen fifteen. The time of offerings is not over, but we don't offer through bloodshedding anymore. And then the other big function of the priest is not just to, to experience God and to know God, but it's also to have a life with one another. And there are so many scriptures in the New Testament of this one another life, you know, love one another, accept one another. Um, be patient with one another, forgive one another. Um, Yes, one of them, exhort one another daily. Just think about it, daily. Uh, You've got to spend some time. There's got to be a frequency of connection with certain people. And then there's got to be a trust and an openness so that there can be exhortation. And exhortation also means... um, to encourage the other person. So encouragement is, yes, do it, go on, go on. Exhortation is, why don't you do that? Don't do that, why don't you do that? And we need it. Why do we need it? Because we are blind to ourselves. Um, uh, uh, I saw a friend who stand in front of the camera and he looked at the image on the screen and he said, that's not what I look like. There's something wrong with the camera. But everybody else said, that's what you look like. Make peace with it. That's really who you look like. Um, we can't see it and we need it from somebody else. Friends, we are all at different places. Perhaps some of us has this personal experience with Jesus, but we're doing it all by ourselves. Perhaps this broadcast and, and it's, it's all that you have. No. And I invite you to pray and ask God to, to lead you, to help you. You've got to have a other person or a few other persons in your life. 
And there's got to be the fellowship. How can it happen in a way so that I can enter into this type of life that Paul speaks about that will bring life to you? You become a Christian by accepting Jesus. You become a member of the family by becoming a member of a group, by committing yourself to a group. And that's the invitation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you what you've done for us. Thank you for this deep connection that we can have with you. And we pray that it will grow and that you would lead us into it deeper and closer to each other so that we can also go further in this world. In the name of Jesus, amen. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen.